Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. All right, this morning, <laughs> we're talking about biblical money management and managing your giving, right? Amen. So we talked about tithing a couple of weeks ago, right? And Brother uh, Michael went over tithing. So we're going to talk about giving. And uh, we have had notes that we were supposed to go, go by. And this first note said, a great giver's heart with a great giver's faith will result in great giving. So I want you to say this. I have a great giver's heart. And I have a great giver's faith. I am a great giver. So if you have the desire to give, but you don't have the faith to give, then you won't give. If you just want to give, but you don't have the faith to act on that, then you won't give. If you have the faith to give, but you don't have the desire to give, then you won't give. Because some people know what they can do. They just don't want to do it. <laughs> then they won't give. But if you have a desire to give and the faith to give, then you'll be a great giver. Winston Churchill once said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So consider this or reflect upon this. Are you making a living or are you making a life? Are you so concerned about what you will receive that you forget to give? Right? All right, so we're going to talk a little bit, just a little bit about the difference between tithing, tithe and offering. Tithing is giving a tenth, as we've learned, of all of your increase to your local church. So we don't tithe to a different organization. We don't separate our tithe and give it one place or the other. We give a tenth of all of our increase to our local assembly, that is our tithe. Historically, the tithe was used to help the priests and Levites to just make a living. So we have to remember that when uh, the Israelites went into the promised land, God said, okay, this tribe you see over here, this tribe gets this land, this tribe get this land. And then the tribe of Levi, he did not give them any land because their job was to take care of the tabernacle or the house of God or the holy things, right? So they there there was no way for them to eat because remember that people didn't really use money. It was an agrarian system. So they grew everything or they raised cattle and they exchanged goods, right? But if you don't have anything to grow, you don't have anything to work with. You don't have anything to eat. So God said the Levites are to work in my house and everybody else is to give them a tithe of whatever they grow, whatever they have, just so they can make a living. The Levites were considered um, maybe like our deacons, um, people who, who worked in the house of God. But then there were the priests, right, who were also Levites, but they were the priests, direct descendants from Aaron, who spoke the word of God over the people. So from what the Levites had, they took a tenth and gave it to the priest, just so the priest could make a living, 
because they, they, they wouldn't eat. <laughs> they, they didn't grow land, right? So that was just for them to make a living. All right, so we're gonna keep going. So when the people brought a tenth of the first and the best of all of their increase to the tabernacle, the Levites received it, separated another tenth from it, and presented it to the priests. And the priests were allowed to consume their portion of the tithe. And you can find that information in uh, Numbers chapter 18. So from this, we can tell that tithing is the Christian's minimal financial commitment to God. Because it only means that you make a living. And now we are priests and kings of God. So our tithe is just to sustain us, right? That, that's our tithe, is just to sustain us. Now the offering is an undesignated, unlimited amount given out of one's own free will to God. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. The offering is an undesignated, unlimited amount given out of one's own free will to God. Giving an offering helps a person to grow in generosity, to grow in faith, and to grow in sacrifice. So number one, how does giving help us to grow in generosity? Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. So out of that verse, by giving, we grow all the richer still. But when we withhold, we suffer want. Um, there's a little story that says uh, a little, little child had a a big a Hershey bar and you know how it has the individual parts and they were just saving it and saving it until they got around all of their cousins because it felt so good to break off a little piece and to share it with that with all the people around them it made it made the chocolate taste better than hoarding it all to themselves because when we hoard things all to ourselves be it food or money or what what happens to us usually if, if it's food we make ourselves sick because <laughs> we eat too much <laughs> or if it's money we're buying or overspending right and then we put ourselves in a bad place right if we hoard to ourselves if we overdo anything it's we get out of balance right we get out of balance. So we have to remember the one who gives freely grows all the richer. Another who withholds what he should give only suffers one. So when are you most likely to give? I, I need answers. When are you most likely to give? When are you most likely to give? That's it. That's it. When you have more than what you need at the time. <laughs> That's when you're most likely to give. <laughs> but how do you have more than what you need at the time? You listen to the Holy Spirit. And when he says give, give, because that's the only way you'll be enriched all the more. So you have to trust God in the process, right? Amen. When we decide to give, we're declaring that we believe God will supply for every current and future need. And when you decide to give, you show that you trust God. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 in the English Standard Version says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Second Corinthians nine and 10 says he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So we just have to trust that God supplies what we need and he'll supply all the more. Okay. How does giving help us to grow in sacrifice? Well, giving allows us to take one of the main character traits of God in our sacrifice because God did what? How did God sacrifice? He did what? Gave his son as a living sacrifice for the world to be reconciled to him. So what is our, uh, our, uh, what did we used to have with the children? Awana. That's what we learned in Awana. Yeah. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people, but to save them. So when we give, we take on that character trait of God, of sacrifice, to save, to help save somebody else. We cannot save like Jesus did from sin because we're not him, but we can help save people out of a bad situation by our giving. That doesn't have to only do with our money, but it has to do with sharing our experiences, sharing our time, sharing our love, sharing our compassion from other people, for other people. Who can you save from a bad situation as a result of your sacrifice? And it is a sacrifice. Giving time and attention to people, it is a sacrifice. Hebrews 13 and 16 says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Here's a spiritual principle and this always works. It says, wherever you put your energy, is what will increase in your life. Wherever you put your focus and your energy is what will increase in your life. No matter what it is, good, bad, or indifferent. If you put your energy into, I want to accomplish this goal, then that will be increased in your life. If you put your energy into, I want to save this amount of money, and you put your focus there, that will be increased in your life. Another way to say the same, th same thing is, you reap what you sow. Right. Another way to say the same thing is give and it will be given back to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you put your energy into being open to give generously as the Holy Spirit leads you and as you've decided and prepared for, then you will always have whatever it is God is asking you to give. And you will always be supplied with more to give when the time arises, right? So you have to be open to the Holy Spirit to allow him to lead you in what to give. God has given many promises in the scripture to meet all of our needs, all of the needs of the person who gives generously, not grudgingly, not moved by negative emotions or under compulsion like duress or pressure or intimidation, so if somebody comes up to you, a family member, friend, whoever, I need this now, and I know you have it, you, you got to give it to me. If you love me, you give it to me. No, that's duress. <laughs> that can be intimidation. You are not obligated to give out of that. What I would suggest is you say, okay, stop. 
let me go pray about this. Let me look at my financials. <laughs> and if I can give this and I'll get back with you. Most of the time, anything that has to be done right now, right now, right now, it's not a good idea, right? <laughs> you need to be thoughtful about it. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 8. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when you prepare to give something to somebody, then you're usually happy about it because you know you've afforded it. If you, even if you've had to save up or whatever, you got it. It makes you feel good to give it, right? Because you've put, you've, um, decided in your heart what to give. God can bless you with everything you need and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others when you do it that way. Amen. That was 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is generous to the poor does what? They lend to the Lord. And what is God's promise back to us? He will repay him for his deeds. So you don't have to be worried about lending to the poor. God will repay you because they can't. If they're poor, right? They can't repay you. Proverbs 11:25 says, "Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered." So let's remember the Bible. It's an eastern book, right? And it's an agrarian book. So many of its analogies are not common to us if we don't if we're not farmers or we don't work in agriculture. We often hear that giving money is sowing a seed. And sometimes the word seed is a metaphor for giving. Like 2 Corinthians 9, 1 says, God gives seed to farmers and provides everyone with food. He will increase what you have so you can give even more to those in need. Okay, so that's one, one uh, instance of where uh, seed is a metaphor for giving. Um, in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and 13 through 20, it says, can you find it for me quick? Because, you know, I'm slow. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and 13 through 20. And this uh, passage, a farmer is used in the illustration as the one who scatters seed generously in a field. But in this instance, the seed is a metaphor for the word of God or the message of the kingdom of God, or the message about God's way of doing things. So what I'm saying is that we're not giving to receive a 30, 60, 100 fold harvest if we're giving money according to the word, because in this passage, the seed is a metaphor for the word of God. Okay. So it says, uh, and again, you said verses one through eight. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things in a parable saying, listen, look, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. And down to verse 13, the... Uh, uh, the disciples said they didn't understand that passage. So he said to them, 
Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, the people. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones who, sow, who were sown on a stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so they endure only for a short time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60, some 100. All right. So in this passage, the seed is the word of God. And the soil are the people who hear the word of God, right? So we're not specifically talking about money. We are talking about giving. And what, we're, what are we giving? We're giving the word of God. The scripture reference is talking about giving whatever God asks us to give. His rhema word, right? We do know that we will reap whatever we sow according to Galatians 6 and 7, 7 and 8. You cannot fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest what you plant. If you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. But if you follow the spirit, you will harvest eternal life. So I have a few questions. We're going to apply money to Mark 4, because it does have to do with giving. So if we're a farmer and we scatter seed in a field, would a farmer scatter seed in his own field or somebody else's field, usually? His own, usually, right? Naturally speaking, a farmer would scatter seed in his own field, unless the Holy Spirit instructs him, instructs him to do otherwise, right? So maybe we do have seed that we want to invest in ourselves or our save or whatever. But Holy, Holy Spirit says, I want you to give to this, that, or the other. Right? Would a smart farmer scatter seed on dry, rocky, untilled ground on the road or in the sand? No. Unless Holy Spirit says, I know that does not look right to you. But I want you to give in that space. Would a smart farmer scatter seed on land that has been prepared to receive the seed, usually? Yeah, yeah, smart farmer. If you see that it's prepared to receive the seed, then yes. Unless you're deceived by what you see and you're looking on the outside and not looking at the heart. And the Holy Spirit says, I know that looks like the perfect investment but that's not the right one. So the whole point is to be to connect it, be connected with the one who gives the seed. <laughs> be connected with the one who gives the word, right? So we know where to scatter our seed, where to plant, where to invest. 
If I'm a smart farmer who wants a large harvest, then I'm going to do everything within my power to produce that harvest, including investing in the best piece of land, toiling the soil, keeping it watered, spreading good seed in the most productive area that gets the proper amount of sunlight or shade. And I think that's about all I could do at the time. But later, later on, I was go need to go back and I would need to pull the weeds and try to keep the bugs from destroying the crop and make sure the seed is watered, right? And if I do that, everything else is out of my hands. And at harvest time, I just reap what God has allowed to grow. So that's part of our responsibility, doing everything we're supposed to do to make sure we have created an environment for things to grow 30, 60, or 100-fold. But when we've done all we can, all we can do is allow God to do what he's, what he's going to do <laughs> and, and receive what he's allowed to grow. If the field represents people, then I'm going to give my time, I'm going to give my energy, I'm going to give my love and my effort. This is my investment into people. I'm going to do my part to make sure they're developed and they're refreshed, and that I provide a place of shade away from the heat in their life. I'm going to stay in prayer for them. I'm going to keep the weeds of the world away, uh, away from them through my prayers so they won't be destroyed. If I live like this with a life for others, then at the end of my days, I will see what God has done through my service. So this is, sometimes you don't see it until way after the fact. And you get in places and you feel like, God, I've been trying. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this. But God has promised at the end of your days, you'll see the harvest of your seed, your work, and your labor. Now, because I've done my part and done all that was in my power, I can apply the scripture in Galatians 7 that says, you cannot fool God. So don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest what you plant. In King James, it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But if I go out and just spread seed on my own, or if I just give money without proper thought or preparation through prayer and meditation, then I'm behaving presumptuously. I'm not observing the limits of what is appropriate or what's permitted. So my job is always to be led by the Spirit through God, right? Through my time of prayer, meditation, use wisdom God's provided through the scriptures as my guide for giving. So we have eight quick points. How do I give generously, cheerfully, and responsibly? One, I thank God for giving me the grace to become a generous, cheerful, and responsible giver. Okay, so you put your focus on thanksgiving, that you want to be a generous giver, right? Number two, you trust God by being faithful to honor him with the first tenth of all of your increase, right? Because you don't want to have a curse on your life. But more than that, you just love God. You just love God. Because God knows us. He knows when we get in fear. He knows, you know, when we don't trust him. And he, tr he, he loves us anyway. Right? So we give our tenth out of respect, honor, appreciation for the Lord. Number three, we trust God by deciding how much more than the tithe you want to give. So you, you set your mind and say, okay, I want to be a giver, not just a tither. And you can choose. How much do I want to give? 
Okay. Number four, trust God by managing your finances with integrity. Don't just don't know what's going on with your money. Know what's going on. Use the sense God gave you. And if you need help, ask for help. <laughs> it's okay. If you need help, you just ask for help. All right, number five, trust God by asking him to give you something to give. So if you go through your budget and you find out you don't have anything extra to give, ask him for some extras to give, right? Yeah. Number six, trust God by requesting the amount or percentage you would like to give on a regular basis. So now you've gone through your money. Maybe you have something to give. Maybe you don't. But you've decided what you want to give. You say, God, I would like to give this amount or this percentage. And I would like that percentage to grow each year or however often. Right? So you ask God sp specifically for those things because where your energy goes is what increases in your life. Trust God by being open to the Holy Spirit changing your plans. So after we've done all this, at times, Holy Spirit will say, I have a different plan for you. But when you're in communication with Holy Spirit, then you know that. You're open for that, right? And he'll prepare you. Oftentimes he'll prepare you for things to come, things he wants you to do, okay? But you just have to have your eyes and your spirit open. Trust God by obeying what he says. Amen? Amen. And those are my principles for managing your money and your offering. Amen?